The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Uh, to talk about the political situation at a state level from the crossbenchers' perspective, we have Stuart Grimley on the line, MP in the Upper House for Western Victoria from the Darren Hinge Justice Party. Stuart, thanks for being on the program once again. Good morning, Mitch, and uh, good morning to your listeners. Well, first of all, what did you make of the Premier's announcement yesterday? Is it what you as a party had been hoping for in terms of the changes to restrictions? I think it's um, very well overdue and very well received and looking forward to getting some sort of COVID normal in our lives. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's been a very, very long slog and, you know, it's pleasing to see that, um, yeah, most people are getting uh, their vaccinations done, which is fantastic. And uh, most businesses, although I didn't see it myself over the weekend, but um, I have heard that some are complying with the mandatory checks or with the checks of the mandatory vaccination um but others from what i've heard uh, aren't necessarily checking people's vaccination status so watch this space i suppose yeah well no one checked my vaccination status in the places i went to maybe it's because i'm a regular a little bit at those places and they trusted that i'd be the sort of person that would be vaccinated but um Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's been the case right through hasn't it because some businesses have been really big on checking your id and making sure you are from regional victoria others don't even Mm -hmm. check id so everyone's got a slightly different stance yeah I, i think it could also be a case of you know herd immunity um, with the vaccination and perhaps people are sort of you know a bit more relaxed now um, with with the virus and not necessarily thinking that you know this is going to affect me too much if I am vaccinated I can still get it but I may not get as sick um, so therefore you know I may not need to be as strict as what I have been on on checking people so yeah time will tell and let's just hope everybody stays healthy and safe and we all look after each other. From a business point of view, how do you think it's going to play out or has it already started to play out over the weekend? Uh, the fact that it's probably the person who's you know maybe 15 years old on the front door or working as a barista that has to enforce this uh, vaccination economy and you know, there may be people that aren't vaccinated that aren't happy uh, about being mm-hmm. locked down. Yeah, that's right. And it, it's, you know, it's not fair on them. It's not fair on people that are working at these establishments, especially, you know, the younger, the kids and the teenagers. You know, they shouldn't have to put up with, with any negative or any abuse or anything like that at all. So, you know, if I was a small business operator, um, would I be, you know, um, forcing, I suppose, staff to do these checks and, and be in that uncomfortable position? Well, probably not because it's not fair on them. It should be up to more authorised officers, people that are trained in how to deal with conflict resolution circumstances because you will get a, a lot um, and, you, and you will start to see a few people get a bit nasty and towards, you know, workers, which is not good. We don't mm. we don't need that. So, yeah, I don't know what the, what the answer is there, Mitch, to be honest with you, but um, I wouldn't want my kids to be on the front line having to ask those questions, that's for sure. There's been rumours going around, I don't know if you saw this at all, on the weekend of businesses, maybe more in metropolitan Melbourne, adding a COVID surcharge. I don't know what that's for, maybe to pay the, the people that you talk about that are experts in conflict resolution and expert mm. COVID marshals. Yeah, I don't know if you have surcharges... What, what we sort of need, or if anybody needs, you know, I don't think anybody needs any more taxes or charges or fees in our lives at the moment. Um, you know, like I said, we just hope that people just do the right thing um, and just, you know, 
put some trust back in humanity and just start looking after each other would be nice. Now, the Victims Charter Act, can you explain what that actually does and why you've described it as being a toothless tiger? Yeah, it is absolutely a toothless tiger and um, not that many of your listeners or would know too much about the Victims Charter Act, but... Um, yeah, the government needs to have a really good hard look at, at the Victims Charter Act and, and how we can strengthen that particular act. Um, there has been a review done uh, by the Office of the Public Prosecutions in 2019-2020 um, and in their annual report they uh, they found that only 80% of victims, 80% of victims were treated in compliance uh, with organisational policies. So that effectively means that one in every five victims of crime are not treated in compliance with the Act. Um, in practice, this could be a victim of crime, for instance, not being notified about a plea bargain um, or the dropping of charges of their offenders, something as simple as that. So the Victims of Crime Act is a toothless tiger because really if, if you're not complying, if an organisation is not complying, nothing gets done. Um, there's no consequence, there's no ramification for it. So... What's the point of you know, many of these organisations complying with the Act? If there's no no penalty for it, it's just just needs overhauling, needs looking at. So we've called on the government to do that. Another big issue at the moment down this way and in the Western Victoria electorate has been this Great Ocean Road Coasts and Parks Authority. And there's even been talk about maybe the idea of tolls on the Great Ocean Road. I mean, this has been up for debate for a long time, but with this authority and its funding models, I don't think tolls have been ruled out, have they? Well, you ask probably 10 people this question, you probably get 10 different answers, uh, Mitch. It's, I don't think that tolls uh, will be introduced on the gradation rate. The government assures um, us in, 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 the, in the chamber last week when we debated the bill, the government assured us that there'll be no further tolls on the gradation rate, but that's not to say that there will be or there won't be, who knows. Um, what we've made sure is that locals in particular are not sloped with any extra fees or charges um, unnecessarily so and that was through an amendment that we got up um, which we were quite pleased about actually in the bill because not often crossbenchers get amendments up against government bills but uh, we were fortunate enough to get this one up so it just means that locals can be assured that they won't get slugged any extra charges or fees or, or tolls if they do come in um, that will be up to the tourists and the tourist companies to fork to, to face those charges. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting debate because I know in New South Wales, if you go into a lot of national parks, they do charge a licence fee for you to actually go into those places. But here in Victoria, it seems to be the philosophy more that national parks are free and paid for via other means. So you'd wonder yeah. if that philosophy would continue for the Great Ocean Road. And if tolls were to be implemented, would it just be on those big tourist buses where it may not actually be that much of an impost if each uh, person on the bus just has to pay 50 cents to a dollar. But then if you start talking about the locals or people in Geelong having to pay every time they drive down the road, that's a completely different story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and more so, I mean, at the end of the day, the authority will have some sort of um, you know, oversight in terms of gathering revenue because, yes, there will need some revenue streams coming in to look after the, the road and look after the environment around the road. That's, that's a given. It's not going to look after itself. Um, but what we're saying is that if you're going to introduce charges, um, for instance, it could be a car parking fee at the 12 Apostles, then locals uh, should be exempt from those charges. And that, that could be through, you know, for instance, a sticker on their car or something to say that they have a permit to be in that particular area so so that they're not going to get slugged for charges. Um, but yeah, definitely the tourist 
operators and companies who, who make a, a hell of a profit out of these tourist attractions, um, I'm sure it wouldn't be too much of an impost to put an extra 50 cents on a, on a ticket to travel down the Great Ocean Road. Now, I've heard you in other media over the last month or so being very concerned about liquor and particularly liquor home deliveries and you yeah. suggest that maybe there could be an issue around duty of care who's responsible if someone uh, consumes alcohol inappropriately that was delivered by a delivery driver. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and, and I think we spoke about it before, about the, the unfortunate incident uh, in Sydney where the um, the person died after, you know, having alcohol, three bottles of wine, I think it was, delivered to his home almost every day in the weeks before he died. So clearly there's just no, um, you know, there's no oversight there. Someone's just dropping off booze at a, at, at a person's house, going unchecked. Um, that person's consuming copious amounts of alcohol, to the point where his body can't handle it anymore and he's passed away. So, yeah, there needs to be some sort of checks and balances there, absolutely. And with the liquor bill, we'll maybe debated this sitting week. Um, we'll, be, we'll be definitely introducing some amendments to uh, to try to ensure that, you know, people's homes are, are you know, safe places for alcohol and that alcohol is just not being dropped off uh, at these places willy-nilly and... Like I said before, you know, lots of packages go missing mm. from the front of front of homes, and it could be any anybody walking past can just grab a slab of beer or a box of wine, and uh, and off you go. And God knows what damage that could cause. So, what do you think is the answer here? Are you suggesting that even home delivery alcohol could be banned, or is there anywhere that it could actually function in a safe way if it was highly regulated? Yeah, I don't think we can ban the delivery of alcohol. It just needs to be pretty heavily regulated um, and that could be through, uh, for instance, a uh, responsible service of alcohol course for delivery drivers to make sure that they're not delivering alcohol to people who are already intoxicated at home. Um, it also needs to be some sort of oversight by the government that, uh, you know, reports back to the chamber, to the parliament about the success or otherwise of, of the bill of the, um, of the liquor delivery service um, in the future. So there are a few things that need changing in the bill. It's nowhere near perfect. And, um, yeah, we're hoping that uh, the government will, will look at the amendments that we've proposed. And also I think you'll find that most other parties have proposed amendments as well are on similar lines. And hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll change the bill. You might find a problem with the RSA model just in that uh, deliveries at the moment are supposed to be contactless. So in a lot of cases, I think they just yeah. leave the, the product on the actual front doorstep and don't even make yeah. contact. So I don't know whether you could actually make an assessment as to whether or not the person you're delivering to is drunk, intoxicated or otherwise. Well, absolutely. And um, yeah, it is hard to tell if a person is intoxicated. And um, through my police training, it's, you know, you become sort of used to acknowledging the signs of an intoxicated person and in a court of law, the police are um, identified as being experts in intoxication, but, yeah, your average delivery driver, he'd have no idea or he or she would have no idea about what, what an intoxicated person looks like. And even if, like you said, it's contact delivery, how can they see the person? Like, how can they actually make some sort of contact either behind closed doors or through the curtain or through the window. I don't know. It's just, yeah, to, to me, this bill's just got a, a few holes in it that, that need fixing up. Um, otherwise, we could be seeing some serious injuries and incidents and family violence also. You know, there could be some um, issues there with 
with you know um, arguments going on in the household and more more alcohol being delivered, and that's certainly not going to make things uh, much better. That's for sure. And I see boat ramps are in your sights, particularly the Clifton Springs boat ramp. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, snapper season. If uh, if you haven't already known, as, a, as the water temperature rises um, in the boat, the snapper tend to come in, and you know I, I love getting out there and having a bit of a fish myself, not very successful, mind you, but um, it has been brought to my attention around the Clifton Springs boat ramp that the entrance um, to to the uh, to the boat ramp there from from the from the um, from the bay is very very shallow, um, and it's it's caused some some damage to boats coming back in, um, you know, uh, from from their fishing expeditions, and can be quite dangerous. So we're calling on. The government or someone, it could be the council or, or who knows at the moment, we're trying to find that out, um, to actually dredge dredge the entrance pro- properly and not just use those, the excavators, which are doing a, a good job as it is, but something more permanent needs needs happening down there at Clifton Springs and we're hopeful that uh, dredging can occur sooner rather than later. We can all get out on the bay and get some fishing done. And final issue, we've just gone under 400 days left until the next state election. In fact, by my count, 397 days from today <laughs> until uh, the state election. Got any plans for re-election in your mind? We're going to keep doing what we're doing um, in, in Parliament. I think we're doing a really good job. And I encourage uh, anybody out there who's listening, if you have any issues, you want to you know, raise anything that you've had no luck getting anywhere elsewhere, to contact my office. Um, Stuart, yeah, Stuart Grimley uh, on the website there, or give us a phone call. We're down in Torquay. Drop by. You can drop in now and say good day, which is which is wonderful. Um, send me an email. We're more than happy to help. Uh, I've always seen that to be my job is to help uh, people within Western Victoria with, with any of their concerns. And mind you, on the other hand, we're also there for justice-related issues. You know, we're all sticking by victims of crime and um, advocating for you know family violence um, reform and. And so forth. So yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, we've done some good work, but uh, we've got a lot of lot more work to do. I'm, I'm looking forward to to next year. And and also, I might also add that if you're not happy with the current situation with the government or anybody in Parliament, then use your voice and vote them out in the next election. That's what elections are there for. So we get hundreds and hundreds of emails of dis- dissatisfied customers. I suppose you can say. And all I can say to them is. You know, make your voices heard come election time. Well, there'll be plenty more to say about the election over the next year or so. Thank you very much for being on the program and we'll talk to you next month. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you, Stuart Grimley there, MP for Western Victoria from the Darren Hinch Justice Party. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or wherever you get your podcasts.